What's up, Jabronis? Welcome back to Two on Five, your one-stop shop for all your top five lists. I'm Drake. I'm Brett. And today we're going to cover something very near and dear to our heart. We're going to go over our top five stand-up comics. Uh, stand-up something that both of us have always enjoyed, um, especially in the time before Netflix and Hulu and, and things like that. Uh, we'd always be pulling up stand-up bits on YouTube or we would buy DVDs from certain comedians and that would be like our late night TV. You know, you come home from the bar and throw something on. And a lot of these standups were guys that, and guys that we had studied and just enjoyed for a long time. So we thought it was a good idea to put together our favorite top five lists. Yeah. And you know, back when we were really super into it, you know, you, uh, that was when comedy central almost felt like more of a, more essential than it is to at this point like you would you'd be like i'm gonna watch a two-hour block of four different 30 minute half hours and i don't know any of these right freaking posers but maybe one of them is gonna be awesome and like between that and then uh comic view on bet and there there was just a lot of different ways to oh yeah to get stand-up but you had to but since it was back then you had to do it at the time it was not on Netflix ready to be queued up because your buddy told you, you, you know, right. I remember seeing like the, one of the, one of the Hedberg specials. And I was just like, is, was that real life? And I hope somebody else saw it because if not, we're, we'll just have to wait until they finally replay it. You know? Well, and the wild thing was, and even now on comedy central, I still think they do a little bit of it, but it could be like one o'clock in the afternoon and it'd be like, Hey, here's some random ass comics. You might like them, you might not. Um, It it felt like between Comedy Central and BET, there was more of a stage for comedians to get off the ground. Uh, And maybe I'm just not Googling hard enough now to find the next new voice, but it, it felt like that information was a lot more accessible and it was much more of a, uh, a commodity you know, when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. I do feel like Netflix is doing a, a pretty decent job of having, I mean, they have their mega stars that they're paying like 40 million bucks to or whatever, but then they have that uh, several layers down where it, there's a bunch of them on there. I've never heard of. And some of them are actually pretty funny, but yeah. Anyway, uh, let's jump in. Uh, my number five is Patton Oswalt. Um, Patton's a little bit older than we are. And I mean, he's done a lot of different things. So I feel like even if you're not um, into a stand-up, like you've probably seen a rerun of King of Queens or you've seen the Goldbergs because he does the narrator voice there, or you've seen Ratatouille. And like, I think he does really cool work there. And he's, I swear on this like nerd uh, quest to be in like all these different IPs because he's been in like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and he's been on Legends of Tomorrow for the DC side it's just it's funny but um, the stand up that really got me into him was uh, Werewolves and Lollipops it was uh, oh yeah yeah it was it was back in like the height of the bush years I think he was down in I think Austin Uh, yes and uh, I think you're right it was yeah and and basically he's just he's a little bit tipsy and he's uh, he he was just newly married at that point. And like, it's just this great flowing set. Um, and it was just really, really impressive to hear. And then uh, 
that one, and then bookended by uh, Annihilation, which was the last one that came out. And that one um, was maybe one of the saddest things I've ever watched. And it was also super cathartic. It was right after um, his wife had died. And yeah, uh, that was, remember, it was all just like super sad and very unexpected. Like nobody, like it wasn't like she'd been sick for a long time. And, and just what he talked about in that special, just about grief and how you, how you get through it. And it was just compared to like werewolves and lollipops, which I'm not going to say didn't have any serious parts. It did, but it was very much more happy go lucky. It just, you know, I mean, like he talks about the KFC famous bowls and that's a big bit <laughs> on it. Right. Yeah. Whereas this annihilation is just like this big, like almost treatise on grief. Um, just really, I think shows the amount of talent that he has to be able to do such a wide berth. Yeah, I agree. Um, regarding his grief, you know, he's been super public throughout this process. Uh, you know, he puts a lot of things on his Twitter account, you know, explaining how he feels on a certain day or, you know, something that may trigger uh, a setback, you know, and, and how he works through that. And so that's been for a guy that has been known for being funny and is, you know, really funny. Um, I think objectively he would, could be on a top five or a top 10 list of, you know, anybody's for stand-up comics. Like this is a very funny man, uh, to see that other side of him has been uh, cool. Feels like a, a bad word to use obviously because he's showing his grief, but it's been great to be a part of, um, and, you know, see, somebody get through it and see him uh you know enunciate and explain his process here and so no I, I think he's great he is somebody that really rides that line of super intelligent comedy but because of his makeup and his build mm -hmm. can do some physical stuff especially in the sitcom uh, you know in the sitcom realm that uh is is great you know, I mean, he's a short little guy, so he can kind of play the Napoleon syndrome really well. Um, and some of the things that he covers are are great for audiences like us. So my number five, um, <clears throat> moving to a guy that is kind of a pioneer for stand up. I mean, it's somebody that a lot of comics have modeled their careers after. But my number five is George Carlin. And, you know, rest his soul, wherever he may be. Uh, he, he's a guy that has just been brutally honest. Uh, really one of the first cynic comics that, that took off and got a lot of popularity. Well, well he was just so big, like for being that cynical. He was huge. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, this, this is a guy that my grandparents know about. Um, as well as, you know, kids much younger than us know about George Carlin. Like he is on the Mount Rushmore of stand-up comics. And I, I think it's probably him and Eddie Murphy are, are side by side when it comes to, you know, stand-up work. Well, I, but, well, if you were going to do a stand-up, it'd be, it'd be those two and prior. And yeah. And then I don't know who would be your fourth, but yeah. Sure. Um, you know, he, he did this thing where he was able to do a lot of good, clean comedy because he did a lot of, uh, a lot of the standard, 
comic stuff, you know, shit that doesn't make sense. Like, why do they tell you to get on the plane? You get in the plane, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's kind of dumb cutesy shit like that, that played for maybe your grandparents age. But then here's 20 minutes about how God isn't real and all of life is pain and suffering. And at the end of it, you're going to laugh. But it hits for a different crowd than your grandparents. And so I I just think it's it's somebody this guy put out books um, as well as tons of stand up specials, great cameos throughout film, you know, throughout his life. He's just somebody that touched on every little bit. And no matter what kind of humor you enjoy, George Carlin had something for you to enjoy. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything everything you said there is, you know, dead on. And then, I mean, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the seven words you can't say on television. Like, yeah, uh, that was huge. And it's super old. Like that was in the early seventies when he did that, when he did that bit. And like, it still resonates because it's still fucking hilarious. So, I mean, yeah. uh, That was, that was just oh, like that style of humor. (laughs) was always really fun for me to hear like when he would talk about like the baby on board people and how like what 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 yeah. the hell's that about people why aren't you driving you know like normal um and then just you know overtly political dude like he he did not shy away from it and i right. don't know if it's because he was so good at it at balancing it or if it was just a different time but it didn't i feel like there were definite hardcore Republicans and definite Dem- hardcore Democrats and stuff that all love Carlin. And I don't know if that'd be a thing now. Yeah. There's, there's only a couple of people I could think of that could maybe capture that, you know, to be that political on stage, but then still get mass enjoyment. But you're right. Carlin's a guy that no matter where you fell on the spectrum, mm-hmm. you were going to laugh at his stuff. And, and a lot of it was him pointing out the absurdity of mm-hmm. any political stance. Well, and, and I mean, I don't want to say that he was like, you know, soft, like, like soft selling and stuff, but it wasn't like the hard edge that like Bill Hicks was trying to do. Like, like George Carlin was there in the end to make you laugh. Whereas like somebody like Bill Hicks was like, he's there to prove a point. And that was debatable, you know? Yeah. So, but I just, I have a lot of admiration for what Carlin would, was able to do. Yeah. Be nice to have him around again. Mm-hmm. So moving on to my number four, um, this guy is, is somebody that if I were to keep watching him and see him, see him keep creating, he could probably move up higher on my list. Um, my number four is Bo Burnham, who everybody should be familiar with. I think he's got three different Netflix specials out there right now. Um, was kind of a YouTube and Vine sensation. Mm-hmm. but he's a guy that <clears throat> got his start in his parents attic where his room was and he would play music and write comedy songs uh, along with his bits. One of the things that really strikes me about Bo Burnham is the subject matter is always super introspective. You know, I mean, he, talks about wrestling with his creative side versus logical side. Um, also the ability to be a performer, but then still have your own personality outside of that and be 
an introverted person in real life, but then come out and do a lot of, you know, flamboyant and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, Hey, look at me type shit. Uh, well, and just legitimately having a job that it does not cater to be an introvert. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that really strikes me about him versus a lot of other comedians, everybody's got a, you know, any good comedian can walk up and do a tight 15 right now, but Burnham has crafted his acts in such a way that he has them down to the very step that he takes on a stage, um, as well as the words that he's speaking. You know, if he adds an um or an uh, he's doing that on purpose. And the first time it really struck me was on his Comedy Central special. He had just him and a stool on stage, but then he had like six big partitions behind him that looked like they were pages out of a book. If you zoom in on those partitions, they are word for word the script of the show. That's wild. It's really wild. Um, you know, and you can read them in certain angles where you'll see where he pauses for an uh or he pauses for, you know, something in parentheses for, you know, laughter or whatever. Um, it's it's really wild. And then you move forward to some of his Netflix specials and he does a lot of stuff with the sound effects guys. You know, where he'll purposely drop a bottle of water and they'll play a stupid song. And the way he's crafted it to where like it's to the step to the second for an entire hour stand up special is really impressive. I mean, I I think there's a career for him musically mm-hmm. just because of the way his brain seems to work. Like, I, I think he's a pretty solid producer on top of being a really funny guy. Um, I'm not like I definitely am not nearly as versed in Bo Burnham as I am probably literally everybody else on both of our lists. Uh, I was actually introduced to him. Uh, it's within the last year uh, by my wife, who, like you said, he was a YouTube Vine star, and uh, Mara used to be really big into Vine, like, and that's how she knew him. And then mm-hmm. um, she's just been a fan, and then she threw up one of the Netflix shows, and it was very funny. Like, uh, I just, I, I did not know what you were just talking about. Like, I didn't realize he was as scripted as he is and that's almost a testament to his delivery because for it being that scripted it doesn't feel that scripted and that's that's a talent yes right there um but like just kind of an offbeat very funny dude yeah like i, like I was super impressed by him and uh being able to like jump from that internet fame into actual fame is impressive like it's it there's there was a lot of talent there for that to be a thing that happened. So, yeah, I mean, you figure no discredit to most YouTube stars. Um, well, a little discredit, but you guys work in your fucking parents' basement. Like you, you don't have to leave your house and you could still become a YouTube star. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, to transfer that over to a stage and to go on tour, like that's a very different type of work you know, that actually feels a lot more like work than whatever you were doing to put videos on the internet. Right. Definitely. Well, uh, my number four, um, is a really huge name. Uh, with these lists that we created, we, we have a little overlap. Um, I'm going to 
really hit this one and then the other overlap we have will hold for you to hit harder uh so this one is uh my number four is dave Chappelle. um he is i think he's a legend and i think he's a legend not because of his stand-up which is saying something because i think he's got at least one special if not more that is a classic um yeah i mean everybody knows Chappelle because of Chappelle show and that had one purely perfect season two like the, the other se- the first season was amazing but that second season was on was just on something and then everybody knows him because he went a little because you know he kind of cracked a little bit under the pressure and you know ran away screwed over his partner uh he screwed over neil and you know like that was a whole thing i like that was the weirdest by the way if you were there like if you were paying attention if you were like a kid like that was the weirdest fucking thing in the world when people are like no dave Chappelle ran away to africa right and he quit making Chappelle show and he left 40 million dollars on the table yeah like the whole thing is just what i mean it's wild now but at the time it was just like this seems made up <laughs> but, right but anyway um uh, stand-up wise like my number one of his is still killing them softly which is a super old stand-up at this point but does not really feel very dated at all um there, was that like 98 99 uh, i think it was I, no i think it was in the 2000s but it was like early it was like okay but i mean it was early um it's interesting because there's not a lot of uh he, he definitely stayed away from like uh pop culture of the time which makes it uh feel a lot more timeless um mm-hmm. he's just got there's all the stuff that like he would hone to a point for Chappelle show, like his critiques on race and um, like using his critiques on race as a filter for his entire worldview. And yet it's still hilarious that like, that is who Dave Chappelle is at least to me. Um, I mean, at this point, you know, he's making like, $50 $50 million or whatever from Netflix. <laughs> and like, he just shows up at like the comedy seller and he's like, I'm going to do a two hour set and it might be funny. It might not. I don't know. And I mean, I, I thought some of the stuff he's done lately has been funny. I think there's been a lot of it that's been kind of, there's been issues with it. Like it's, it's very obvious. Like he's very rich yeah. and does not have to uh, come down to the masses. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't have to connect with people anymore. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think he's—I still think he's wildly funny. I like that. Basically, whenever he's on a stage, he just starts smoking to piss people off. That's because that's fucking yes. hysterical to me. And like that—that that goes all the way back to Chappelle's show. Remember, like he's like, you might have noticed I'm smoking on stage. You want to know why? I didn't vote for Bloomberg, and then he just keeps smoking. Right. <laughs> like I, I don't know. I I think the talent is there. I think he's just really very very good at it. And, uh, I can watch him. Like, I'll always watch it, which is, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing, right? Like, yeah. He'll always command my attention. So, yeah. I mean, it's hard for fans because he doesn't have to work anymore. Like he, whatever commitments he has to Netflix. Yeah. But other than mm-hmm. that, like he is set for life and he's acknowledged that too, that like, this isn't for him is no longer about earning a living. Like he does it when he wants to. And that's hard for a fan to take because you want 
your content. You know, like I want this guy. I wanted three more seasons of Chappelle show. Yeah. Um, I got three seasons of key and peel instead, Mm -hmm. but like it's Chappelle methadone, but yeah, it's hard because like he was such a huge part of pop culture, you know, from the half baked movie and then everything that everybody and their dog quoted from the Chappelle show, you know, like this guy is a huge part of pop culture and yeah, I think some of his later work, he, oh yeah, every comedian will kind of step the line on PC culture. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's kind of the thing. I mean, that's part of what makes comedy funny at times is you know stepping over that line and getting you to realize that hey, this is silly. But I do feel like he has made an effort to take a bigger swipe at PC culture, and sometimes it misses the mark. Like sometimes I, I think he's just being a dick to be a dick. Mm-hmm. And well, like you know that sucks because he's capable of being well. Way yeah, funny. and you know I mean the, the big the big thing they always say is you should always be punching up and not punching down. And I feel like right. especially right. with some of the like some some of the PC stuff he ends up doing, he's very much punching down to people who have a lot less power and a lot less privilege, and it's it's a bummer. But again, there's. Literally right. nobody we're going to talk about is per- who's perfect. So no, you know, <laughs> no. Um, and then that brings us to my, my number three. Uh, my number three is actually on Drake's list a little bit later, and we will hit him when we get to him. It's Mitch Hedberg, but we'll get we'll get there a little bit later. So, all right. Um, well, going back to my number three, there's not much else to say either. Dave Chappelle is number three on my list uh, for all the reasons we talked about. You know, he is a part of my memory. You know, like there are always things that I'm going to find funny because of the way that Dave Chappelle pointed them out. And so I am very happy for him to have found his success. And, you know, I am thankful for all mm-hmm. of the great content that he has given given us so far. So my number two uh, is another guy that had some success with sketch comedy, but probably more obscure oh definitely uh, way way more obscure but my number two is david cross uh great content on the sketch comedy mr show from hbo with him and uh odenkirk and you know some really great content there i mean funny funny shit but his stand-ups are kind of like Patton. you know a lot of times really political so, like, I could see a lot of people mm-hmm. being turned off by David Cross. But for me, it it is right up my alley and it hits. Um, you know, there's there's a bit on 9-11 that is, it, it makes you cringe when you first start listening to it. But it's so goddamn funny by the end. Like, the punchline is perfect. Um, you know, it, it's a bit that I'll never forget. And... Then you see him, you know, evolve again and do great stuff on Arrested Development, you know, and the way he played Tobias Fionke, it was it was a lot of fun to watch him be that guy on stage. So he just blew himself. He did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, David Cross, a guy that I I feel like has always known 
and had his finger on the pulse of where the world's going. And so even when he is not a frontline entertainer, he still puts out solid content or produces solid content uh, to help kind of hold up a mirror to the world. Um, yeah, I could just stop there. <laughs> uh, the thing about David Cross, it, um, and we kind of covered it when we, in passing, talked about Bill Hicks, uh, you know, very political, but, uh, and doesn't shy away from it and really confrontational, like supreme, like that, like yeah. that's, <laughs> if you're a David Cross fan, that's part of the draw. Like you're into it because he gets that way and he's not going to back down. You have chosen a side. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, oh gosh, what was the name of the album? It was Let America Laugh. Was that it? Yes. Yes. Because yes. uh, that was the one that came out relatively soon after 9-11. It was within what? Two years? A year? It, it was, it was, it was the, it was the album. The first thing he released post 9-11. And some of the stuff on that was so biting and so funny and it was just this weird sensation of should i even laugh at this because dear god but when he's talking about like the people sitting in their cars that are sad that there's no football (laughs) and you just are like well you know that's a thing you know that's a thing you know or when he's talking about like the the terror alerts he's like Oh no, we're in orange. Oh God, well, what do we got to do? Well, nothing. Just put dinner on the table and let's just keep, you know, like it, it was this <laughs> very, very, very smart humor that is also so cynical. I, it's wild to me he has a career. Okay. <laughs> it's just like, yes. Uh, yes. He isn't a survey guy who I think is very hard to get along with. I think, um, and makes no apologies mm-hmm. about it. Why? Well, and like, you know, he did Mr. Show, which was the sketch comedy we we're talking about. And it was just freaking everything you'd ever like. It's so brilliant. Like in the way it's constructed. It's fucking in the great. way it's con- Yes. In the way it's constructed. And, but, you know, everybody who worked with him said that he was the hardest part of that show was, you know, getting him to be there. And to- so again, I, I think he's amazing. I think he's super funny. And it's like I said, it's just sort of amazing. He's got a career and I'm very happy he does. So agreed. Um, So my number two is Chris Rock. Uh, I mean, good choice. He's a legend. Like, you know, he's been doing this for decades at this point. He kind of made his big break on SNL, which is funny because try and tell me like a really good Chris Rock SNL sketch. There's, there's really not one, right? But that's where he got. That's where people kind of knew who he was, and then from there he used that to mm-hmm. springboard into his HBO specials, and those are just, those are legend. You know, I mean, like bring the pain and bigger and blacker. Like, I mean, oh my god! So even good. if like you don't agree with what he's saying, which I think is fine, the way he commands an audience and a giant audience, because those are not small clubs he's playing he is playing arenas and the way he just owns it is just incredible and like you know he's just got some of the like 
again, not the most PC bits, but like really iconic. I mean, we're not going to get into the one that the office took and ran with, but yeah. uh, also like the, the keeper off the pole, like all that stuff. Like it was, it was a big piece of chicken. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. I mean, it's just so <laughs> funny. And like, just honed to a razor's edge. Like you could tell he had worked yep. it to the point where there was no way you could make this bit funnier. And like, like, it, like right. there's no, there's right. no, you cannot change the words in any other way. And like, I just respect that. Like it, it's wild because any party house that we went to in college or even afterwards, um, I would find two things in those homes. It's, a Cat Williams DVD, mm-hmm. normally Pimp Chronicles, but then Chris Rock, Bigger and Blacker. I feel like everybody mm-hmm. owned that special. Like, not only did you watch it on HBO, but like you bought the DVD because that was a stand up special that you wanted to watch over and over again. And I, I oh. think that speaks to his success, too. Like, it's wild. I mean, this man is 55. Um, he's got a hell of a career, but it's even the last special on Netflix, you know, which I know is something you had noted. Um, he's still funny. Like he hasn't lost a step. No. It, like it's interesting though, because you can't tell he is older, which yes. uh, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it losing his step, but I mean, he went, he took like a 10 year break from doing specials, which for a stand up uh-huh. is crazy. Like that you, you usually just can't do that and then come back. And then the new special, which was called Tambourine, and like there's a whole reason it's called Tambourine, and I'm not going to spoil it because it's brilliant. It's freaking brilliant. (laughs) But I mean, that time, like, you know, this, he had always come off as just this like rock solid family man and all that. And like he got divorced and like it was a big deal. And yeah, I mean, it was, it like Tambourine is different than anything else he's done. And it's still genius. And like it was just crazy. And it, he made so much money to do it. So good for him. Hell yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, that brings us to my number one. Um, my number one is John Mulaney. Big shot. Uh, yeah, not even at all. Uh, John Mulaney is, it's just, at this point, it's just not close for me. For like, he only has, he has like four specials that you can watch. And then he recorded an album before that. So not a ton of stand-up material, but like that's still pretty good. Like they're they're all like yeah. forty to sixty minutes, you know. So that's um, he's our age, which is insane to me. <laughs> uh, it makes you wonder what you're doing with your life a little bit, but it's fine. Um, yeah. He was on SNL as a writer. He uh, he worked a lot with uh, Bill Hader, and him and Bill Hader created Stefan. Like, and the, the big joke about Stefan was while the show was live, Mulaney would write, he would write whatever the newest club was. He'd just write it on the cue card and Hater would have never seen it. Like his whole goal was to always, like, that's, that's why Hater was always so close to cracking because oh. he never, he never knew what the fuck Mulaney was going to put up there. <laughs> um, but he's got these uh, three specials on Netflix that are all insanely good and it's crazy to me how like he's a mostly clean comic but he will swear he's mostly apolitical but one of my favorite bits ever involves bill clinton uh he 
doesn't want to ha- ever have kids, but his best stories involve anything to do with his childhood. Like he's just a really interesting dude. And I mean, you know, I just, whenever he puts something out, I'm excited to, to watch it. Like he just put out that, uh, the sack lunch bunch thing, which is this weird, like kids special thing. And uh-huh. it's super odd and yet hilarious. And it's got songs that he helped write. And, you know, he did that thing with Nick Kroll where, uh, Oh, hello, where they both play like two old Jewish men. And it's just weird. And they got to be on, and they got to do it on Broadway for like six months. Like he just, he, I just like literally anything he yeah. has, I'm always just interested. And I think he's just hysterically funny. Uh, one thing you didn't mention, but the, uh, his voice acting skills too. Mm-hmm. You know, he was in the Spider-Man movie. Yep. Um, as well as some other stuff, but big he mouth. did a great a big mouth. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, super funny guy. I'm glad you brought up the fact that he is primarily a clean comedian because I, I do think that in today's world that you have to be a special kind of funny to, you know, be a clean comic. Um, and like, he's not capital C clean. No, but like, no, but he just most yeah. of the punchlines do not involve, you know, foul language, which is kind of special like you can make it 20 minutes into a special and then it, every once in a while the f word will pop out oh yeah uh but yeah like i think there's a big line in the sand between guys like him and then say a jim gaffigan you know who is the oh, he, most popular clean yeah, comic ever you know but yeah uh but yeah like to see the creativity that Mulaney puts into it and is able to keep it uh, at a certain kind of speed compared to say a Chris rock, you know, or, uh, even George Carlin at his best, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a special kind of talent. And I think he's got a long career ahead of him. Well, I was really lucky. I actually got to see Mulaney, uh, in Lincoln when he was, uh, work, when he was working on getting kid gorgeous together, um, for the, kid, uh-huh. well, the kid gorgeous tour, but you know, but the whole thing is eventually you want to have your tight hour for the, for the special. And some of the best bits are like were there at the beginning, like because that was early in the tour when he stopped in Lincoln, like uh, the horse in the hospital bit, you know, things like that. But I was when we finally got to watch the special, I was astounded at how much material was not in the special. Like, really, he was apparently just writing the whole time, which I have respect for. Yeah. All right. Uh Moving to the number one on my list had already been mentioned by Brett, but my number one is Mitch Hedberg. Uh, Just a classic comedian for me, you know, like there is so much and also, and this is probably why he's number one on my list, but like the question of the potential that was there and like what Hedberg's career could have been Mm -hmm. had he not passed away in 2005. Uh, you know, died at 37 years old, but already had a, a decent sized, uh, amount of content. You know, he had a comedy central special, you know, a couple of albums and, you know, this is back when you had your big group, you know, obviously your Chappelle, your Chris rock, cat Williams, like you had that 
upper tier of comedians mm-hmm. and you know he was kind of on the way up uh and never really did get to break into that upper echelon you know where he was getting the hbo specials or any of that kind of shit um but like a lot of these other comics you know i I especially hear george carlin you know when i hear mitch hedberg because of some of the silly shit that he talks about and Mm -hmm. also one that is able to be a clean comic for the most part and some of these silly bits and stories that he tells are just uh, they're hilarious but then you couple it with the way that this guy looks and the way he talks <laughs> and like you start laughing before the punchline because you see you see the smile on his face start to grow because he's excited about the punchline you know like you could really see him enjoying the art and uh, you know i think that's a big part of it too is like you could you know, a lot of times he was wearing sunglasses and had his hair over his eyes, but like you could see, you could see his face and how much he was enjoying it. And that in turn made me enjoy it even more. Well, I think with, with Hedberg and, and he addressed this too in like in his set was one of the reasons, like, I think it was interesting because I do think you were right. Like he was on the way up, but it was a very slow and gradual thing. And that's because, and he said it like he didn't want to do anything else. Yeah. Like he wanted to do stand up comedy. Like he did not want to write. He did not want to act. He wanted to do this one thing. And if you're not, well, you know, it's, it's right. Hollywood and it's entertainment. And if you're not willing to completely play ball, it's always, you know, getting anywhere is an accomplishment. So, um, I, you know, I, I think both his albums are interesting. The first one is really interesting because it's got that right. baseline behind it, <laughs> which is it. Oh, I've never heard that before. I, you know, but apparently you've never seen Seinfeld. Well, right. But like through the whole thing, it's just like, oh my God. Okay. This is what we're doing. Um, then they actually, that third album they put out after he died is, is actually pretty yeah. great. Really? Um, it is, but I just remember the first time I saw him, it was just, it was that half hour on comedy central and I'm watching it with yep. my roommate at the time in the dorms. And it's just, I've never seen anyone like him. Like the way he delivered the, the punchlines was just so yeah. offbeat. Like the closest, like he's almost like a hashtag rapper. Yes. You know, like just he'd say something, give you a beat. And then here's your punchline. And you're like, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. The, ca- the cadence is all fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't feel like you can follow it. Like he surprises you with where things start. and stop. Yeah. Like just complete, a complete original. And I, I, I'm not saying you never want to say that that'll never happen again, but it'll be, it would have to be something special for somebody like, he was so singular. We have not which, seen anything like him since. No. And um, he's another one that I actually did get to see. I got to see him, I want to say it was, well, it was only like a few months before he died. And it was at the lead. And he was workshopping what would become some of the material that, that ended up on Do You Believe in Gosh? But he was just, you could tell that it was not there yet. 
um it was, it was right. still why it was still super funny i don't want that to but it was almost cooler seeing him working through material than it would have been to see like the set if it had been perfected if that makes any sense because you could tell he was just he's sure he he'd give a joke and then he'd meander a little bit more than what you think or kind of taking mental notes or mm-hmm, yeah exactly like that was i i don't know i i just I find that so, so interesting that it was, it was cool to see. And it was just, you know, super sad. Like I, like the thing with him and quite frankly, a lot of standups, I mean, you know, he, he made no secret of the fact that drugs had been a thing for him. And then like, right. You know, basically weakened his heart. Right. To the point where it just yeah. basically gave out. It's just, it's a, it's a real bummer just because he was, he was just so funny. Yeah. But, uh, he's one of the few few comics I can still put one of those old records on and I'll still crack up. And I mean, yeah, like he's something you could probably play for your boys now and they find some of that funny because like, you know, the, like the jokes about, you know, if you're about how he was blocking a fire exit, but if you're, if you can catch fire and have legs, you're never blocking a fire exit. Like, I mean, that's funny if you're seven, you know? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. The escalator becoming stairs, you know. I mean, there's there's a lot of good stuff on there that is uh, kind of like Carlin, you know, really cross party lines. You know, you don't have to be, uh, you, you don't have to feel a certain kind of way to enjoy Mitch's comedy. And so, yeah, that's why he's number one for me is that ability to hit every person, and you know bring humor to every type of group and also, you know, the, the untapped potential, you know, of what could have been, uh, because I feel like for a a lot of people, obviously when, when he passed, you know, people are posthumously appreciating him. Um, you know, so there's a lot of people that have been introduced to Mitch Hedberg after he passed away, but there was a pretty strong fan base, you know, underneath him while he was working. And so, you know, this is not a stretch for us to say that he could have been the next big comic. You know, I I think he was really close. It's just whether or not he was going to get there the way that he wanted to. Yeah. Well, it's it's just like, you know, I mean, like, I do think that, you know, Tupac or the Notorious B.I.G. are some of the best rappers ever, but it certainly doesn't hurt that they were, that they stopped. And, and like, you know, right. like, well, we'll never really know what they could have done. It's that kind of thing, right? Where we're we're not having the conversation about Mitch Hedberg that we were about Dave Chappelle. Yeah. You know, where things aren't hitting the mark, mm-hmm. you know, and that doesn't mean that Dave Chappelle is a bad comedian. It just means that we're getting to see him age and try to figure out what's still. Yeah. Works. And, you know, maybe maybe he's lost a little bit on his fastball, which it, it's fine. But, you know, right. If, if Dave Chappelle, like, if we lose Dave Chappelle right after Chappelle's show or killing him softly, where does he rank then? You know, like, yeah, it's, or, right. you know, right. basically, we like to romanticize what could have been, and it doesn't matter if it's stand-ups or musicians or sports figures or whoever. Like, like we always do that. So. Yeah, this is the game we play. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking of the games we play, that's that's our top five, kids. Uh, we've... Yep. We'd love to hear from you on Facebook or, you know, through 
any social media that you have with us and we'll come, we'll catch up with you next week. Yeah, we've uh, we've had a few recommendations come in for show ideas and we really appreciate that. So please keep them up. You know, we're always interested to hear what you guys want to hear about and then we'll tell you what you need to hear about. Yeah. Take, we'll catch up with you later. So that's it, guys. Take care. Take care.